All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's after three o'clock. Welcome back. Jason Greger with you on The Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Edmonton's only regulated online gambling website where 100% of the proceeds stay right here in our lovely province of Alberta at playalberta.ca. And if you go there, make sure to use your GameSense. Go to gamesense.ab.ca and uh, learn more so you stay within your limits. Uh, Terry Ryan, she, are we going to have to call him Hall of Famer now? Like, geez, I don't know. I don't know if we want that going to his head cons. We might have to limit that. But uh, it's being announced uh, this summer. Uh, he'll have the official induction into the uh, Newfoundland Labrador uh, Hall of Fame. So the question is, uh, TR, um, will when you do your speech, will you do it in full-on... Newfoundland accent? No, no. I, if Nate, you know, <laughs> I, I, I will probably have a natural twang that you don't pick up on right now, as happens. Yeah, but it won't be it won't be full Ted Hitchcock or anything. No, no. Um, and I haven't even. I guess I've begun. I've begun to think about it, but I, I don't know how I'm going to attack it. This is something that requires. A weekend and to sit back and and really plan because you know there's a lot of people to thank and there's a lot of people to entertain. Oh yeah! Uh, oh wow! Jeez, so, buddy the uh, the the list of people that'll want to be there that'll be uh, that'll bring it along. What day is it again? It's June eighth. June eighth. Ooh, jeez! Right around the Stanley Cup final time. So uh, could be a uh, could be an exciting time. Uh, no question. Now I know a TR, of course, uh, being from the East Coast, there's lots of Leafs fans. Um, uh, Matthews mania in Leafland right now. A, they win five in a row without uh, their uh, their defense from Morgan Riley, who was out. Uh, Matthews uh, scores two again last night. That was like the easiest bet ever is to think that Matthews is going to score a goal in Arizona last night. But um, 
He has uh, 51 goals on the season now in uh, in 54 games, which is uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, how how heightened do you think the man? Like everybody's talking about the greatest Leaf ever, and I, and I think that's probably a, you know very possible as as an individual player. But what about, like for the Leafs? And you look at you know they won five in a row here. Like are they? Do, do we have to start putting them in the conversation of a team that could maybe come out of the East? Uh, maybe I think I, I don't know if they're deep enough, and I think I do think to pick up on your Matthews. Uh, comments. I mean, there's got to be something said for, you know, he's got to be in the running for Hart Trophy, supposing he finishes 20 points behind if he finishes with 70-plus goals because it's so unique. And I'm, I'm guessing a lot of these goals, just from watching, I have no analytics to support it, but it seems that a lot of them are meaningful goals. Um, so, A, there's that. Uh, I don't I don't think the Leafs are as deep as the Oilers. I'm not just saying it because I'm on an Oilers program here. I mean, we all pay attention. We watch hockey, and uh, I think it's close. I think there's all kinds of similarities, but I just think they're a little bit. I, I just think they need a little bit more. As far as the noise from Leafs, Leafs Nation, I think both. I, you know, Leafs Nation are going to be loud, but it, it can also be deserving. And from what he's doing, and if he finishes at whatever pace, even close to, right? If he gets seventy then I think that's justified if you start talking about, you know, the greatest Leafs ever. You know, you're, you're, you're starting to really more than knock on the door. And I think, uh, you know, they haven't – I was surprised, you know, all that time in existence, and I'm not knocking on them for not winning since 1967, yeah. but there hasn't been – it's not like there's been all these major league MVPs and, 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 and uh, Art Ross winners. There's just – you know, they've had some decent years. They've made a playoff push many times. I think the late 70s were some great teams. But they really never had a lot of superstars along the way. So I think it's a given right now. And if he gets 70-plus, you know, I think it's a justified conversation. Yeah, like I'm looking the the last Toronto player. I'm trying to think. Uh, I think it might have been like – I think the – it might be good. No, I might have his name wrong. I got to look it up. But I think it's Gordy Drillin is the is the only like the last Maple Leaf to to win the Art Ross. And I think that's like in the late twenties, right? Like Charlie Conacher, I know won it. But I'm trying to think of uh, any other Toronto guy who led the league in scoring. And I don't think they've ever had one. To be honest, like that's like it's almost a hundred years ago, right? And you know, the heck, forward passes weren't even allowed, right? So it's it's yeah. a, it's a completely different uh, it's a completely different time. And so I, I know that um, uh, Matthews obviously uh, won a heart recently, so uh, you know they have that for him. But they've never had a like I got to double check on that, but I'm pretty sure they haven't had anybody win the uh, the scoring title. And he's not going to win this year. He's not going to catch uh, McDavid, Drysaddle, or sorry, McDavid, Kucherov, or McKinnon. It's just not going to pass all three of them. It's a, I just think it's too hard. But uh, like he's currently fifth, right? And uh, so he's, he's having a really good year. But what about McDavid has 64 assists now in 51 games? He's now on pace for a hundred. The only guys who ever have 100 assists in a season, Gretzky 11 times, freak. Bobby Orr once, Merrill Lemieux once. Right? There's nine guys that Matthews would be the ninth guy to score 70. McDavid would only be the fourth to get 100 assists. Now, I know that goals are harder. I totally understand it. But McDavid could do something the same year that Matthews, and I think that becomes a pretty unique conversation. Well, yeah. I mean, I you know, McDavid is the best player in the world and the, the, the biggest point producer. 
and we all know he's still got a great chance to win it this year. And Matthews, I think you could say, is the best goal scorer in the world. Yes. What's great about watching them, just like watching the best in the 80s come up, is that they're surrounded by some other great players, right? You, you, you know, Marner gives... Gee, if you, I mean, there's lots of other great players there that add to it, but just think of Marner's and Matt Marner and Matthews. And McDavid, I mean, a lot of these players are smart. Look at the power play they've had. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away. I just like to see when these great players play with greatness around them, then they're going to maximize their potential. And if these guys can stay uninjured, then I think in relative terms, you're seeing the same sort of thing. Like we grew up watching Gretzky and Lemieux, and there was nobody even close, right? There was nobody close. I know that the goalies were worse, but, you know, we, I can get into the red line and there's no three-on-three overtime, and we can go tit for tat. The basic it, the point of it is that they were they, it, it's relative dominance from your era. And I think those guys are doing the same thing that those, that Gretzky and Lemieux, and if you want to go back, or were doing at the time that they played. So it's it's awesome that we get to watch it as fans and that we we get to watch these players surrounded by such awesomeness. You know, like Michael Jordan. We saw him come through. We saw arguably the best player, and we saw him play with the Chicago Bulls with all those studs around him, you know? Yeah, no, it was great. And uh, it was indeed Gordy Drill in 1920, uh, 38, actually. No, it was in 28, 38, the last time uh, they won uh, the uh uh, the Art Ross, uh, the Hart Trophy, of course, Matthews won it for Toronto, uh, Ted Kennedy in 55, and Babe Pratt, uh, won it as well. So they've had, uh, at least three guys, uh, win it. Um, Vancouver's has had one. Uh, you look at, uh, Edmonton, of course, has had, uh, has had a lot with Gretzky and Messier, McDavid, and Dreisaitl. Uh, Pittsburgh's, uh, another team that's, uh, had quite a few guys in, uh, Lemieux and Jaeger and Crosby and Malkin. So I think those organize now Montreal, if you go way back when they had a, you know, lots of different guys that have won for them. It's just kind of interesting when you look at the, the history and the success of the Montreal organization compared to Toronto, right? When, when it comes to like the list of great players in Montreal is just so much longer TR. Now I know that, you know, there was some territorial rights for a while played into it for sure, but it's not like Ontario is much smaller than Quebec. Right. Like it's uh, uh, but they didn't necessarily have the same territorial rights as much. But it is kind of funny, though, when you look at it, how much more successful the one organization was. Not so much anymore. Right. They haven't. Montreal hasn't done a whole bunch since uh, winning their last cup in 93. But historically, they had more success in Toronto. Yeah. And well, I'll say this. I, I understand because of those rules why there's more French Canadians maybe that have gone on to greatness at some point during yeah. the Canadian's history, but there's still six teams and you, you would still think, you know, that by this point, the Leafs just because of their longevity and being in the league when there was six teams, that there would be more of, of these, you know, I mean, they've had great players. We're talking superstar uh, generational players, but uh, you know, there hasn't now. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to pass over Doug Gilmore and Matt Sundin. Like these guys couldn't put the puck in the net. I mean, they're absolute legends. But you know, what did Sundin have? Forty goals, maybe once or twice. Yeah. I know he had a lot of points, um, and he was great for a lot of reasons. But you know, what what these players are doing now is, it's hard, you would think, to, to be historic on a team like the Leafs or the Oilers. But that's what's happening. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's very true. A lot of text line in eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. And, uh, you know, you, you had asked Kevin about, uh, you know, the areas of concern for the Edmonton orders. And, uh, you know, there, it's a little bit of up and down. Like you go around the league TR 
And uh, there's lots of teams that you can say, okay, here's an area they need to improve. Like the Colorado Avalanche, they need depth scoring. There's no question about it, especially with Nachushkin out. Um, you, you, even with him in, they had three guys, and then it's a massive fall off to their fourth forward when it comes to offense. So they, they need that. Uh, Edmonton has some areas that they want to improve on. Uh, I would look, you know, Vancouver... Same thing for them that, you know, the, A, they don't have a ton of experience. So, so that's one factor, uh, for them. There's still some concerns maybe about their overall team defense. Uh, is that a concern? You know, Toronto obviously wants some defensemen. No question about it. Um, Tampa Bay now with the, uh, the injury on their back end is, is looking for D and even Boston last night. Like I look at the Boston Bruins and, you know, that their team that wants it. So we got 15 days until the trade deadline. Uh, TR dude, I'm not, it, and some of the best moves might not be like the biggest one. I understand Jake Gensel will be a big addition to whichever team gets him, but I could see a team here make two or three good solid moves to just strengthen the, the rest of their lineup that could be a difference maker. Like I'm really fascinated to see this year's trade deadline. I know there's, but the problem is it's not like there's a lot of, of like flashy uh, acquisitions. So I think the team that makes the good astute ones and really knows what the weakness of their team is, they might be the ones that go over the top. And in the league with so much parity, a lot of people don't bring up health. You know, that's a big thing when you go in, man, because uh, as I said, with the league with, with so much parity, you've got, you know, if one of your top players is out, then everybody else has to rally around it. Now, you, where you have depth, Tampa Bay lost Stamkos a few years ago, remember? And they ended up winning it anyway. Now, he played one game and he had a big goal. But, you know, that that could happen. And it's usually, you know, those guys, um, you know, and I'm not saying health. I mean, like people that have, a, if it was me, I mean health from the point of view that I, I would, I would want to trade for someone that had a track record of going to war and playing a lot of playoff games because it's a different game. And by the time you get to the finals, man, everybody's playing with an injury. Just hopefully it's not bad enough that you have to sit out. But I, I think that's a major, major part of it. If you've got people that can happily play every second day for three months or, or two, and a, two and a half months, then, you know, you, you, you've probably, you're probably closer than people think. Quick break. Uh, we'll return. Gregor, Terry Ryan with you. A lot of text flying in. 833-401-1440. Uh, some of you are uh, quite concerned about the uh, goaltending situation. Well, we'll get to that and more when we return to the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 324, welcome back. Jason Gregor, Connor Halley, Terry Ryan with you. Uh, here's the news out of Vegas, TR. Uh, from Frank Saravalli, uh, Mark Stone dealing with a lacerated spleen. And uh, during the uh, commercial break, I uh, talked to a few medical uh, people who said... Um, they uh, they think that's you know could be anywhere three to six months, so um, you know to get back in a contact sport. Well, uh, the NHL playoffs begin in fifty eight days, so uh, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights might be without their captain to start the NHL playoffs. Could be a big blow for them. Lacerated spleen—that's no joke. No, I mean that's that's what we were. I was just talking about right injuries play a part. He's a huge part of that team. Now they are pretty deep, but you know, no matter what way you look at it, that's a, you know to elaborate. That's why I love the Corey Perry addition. It's not just Corey Perry. It's that you know he gives you good playoff minutes and he'll play through the, the worst kind of pain. So it's it's a great player to acquire. You know what? Hey, you know it's a good thing you brought up Corey Perry because. Like, I saw it again last night, uh, TR, like the gamesmanship that he has of kind of knowing when to try to get some momentum or even some energy into your team. 
right? He's going after Watherspoon last night. He's had a goal and assist in two games uh, so far already. He's got five points for the order since uh, since signing. He's he's been, I think, everything Edmonton could imagine so far. Yeah, and not on like the timing of that fight was awesome, and it's who he fought. You know, they got five D. They're hurting. Right, he takes out a D for five minutes. I, I, you know, I, I, he, he, as my dad likes to say, he's dumb like a fox. You know, like he knows exactly what's going on. He can pull you into it. I mean, this guy's a student of the game. And, you, you know, all those accolades that he got earlier in his career, including, I think, a heart trophy, um, which was deserved. But things like this weren't as obvious, right, because he's more relied on the score and, you know, you'll see him on the highlights more than anything. But now that you really get to get a, a look at him, even though it's a small sample size, I mean, how impressive is this guy and his knowledge of the game and how momentum works in sports general? I love to watch it. Yeah, like it's it's hard to teach that, right? Like you can say, okay, watch it, but you have to have the willingness to to want to be somebody who's who wants to engage in the fray. Terry, like, I know you were a guy who played and you had that. So I'm sure at times you'd look and say, dude, like, you got so much skill. Just do that sometimes. But, like, it's, you can't really instill that. Or do you think you can? Like, were you ever able to get guys more, like, gamesmanshipy? I know that's not a word, but I'm making up a word right now. Yeah, I think you can. I don't think you can teach the, the, the overall instinct. You know, I think there is something to be said. There is a factor of either you got it or you don't. And even though it's a gray area, there are people that don't. But if you've even got the willingness and you want to learn, I do think, and again, I always use Aaron Ashram because I played with him and I saw it firsthand so much. And I saw him go from a scorer in junior who would fight really just to prove a point. And, you know, we had all kinds of tough guys. And then he got to the NHL and it wasn't just fighting. It was then learning when and how to do it. And Ash was that guy. Um, he was a poor man's Perry in that, like like right now kind of Perry, because I, I remember when Philly went to the finals one year and Simone Gagne got hurt. Ash, Ash could go in. He wasn't just that fourth liner who fought guys anymore. He could go in and do your respectable job because he knew the game and he knew the timing of it from and it wasn't just the, the fights, it was the hits. It's when to scrum and when not to fight. I I believe that if Corey Perry was on the other side of that Watherspoon incident, I don't think he would have dropped the gloves. I think those guys have an instinct. And as your career goes along, if you if you have the the willingness to battle and to really learn, and not only that, the humility that you know, you got to be humble to have the accolades that Perry did and still want to chip in. He's got money, right? This isn't a money thing that he's no. just playing to extend his career. So you know, but but again, to get all those attributes in one. I'm not going to say it's a unicorn, but it's very, very rare. Yeah, oh, 100% it is, and it uh, it just adds something uh, to it for sure. Um, hey, guys, uh, Vegas is going to put Stone in LTR and pick up a first-line player again at the deadline from uh, uh, Efron. Uh, maybe. I, I, I think people need to understand this, too. Putting a guy on LTIR, that isn't cap circumvention. Okay, a doctor has to sign off to put a player on LTR where it becomes a little shady is when a player magically can't play on the final day of the regular season, but two days later can play in the playoffs. Right. Because that's where it's cap circumvention. Right now, I understand why teams do it. Think about it. Why wouldn't you? But make no mistake. 
Jack Eichel's hurt. Now, Jack Eichel's been out since January 11th, right? He's already been out uh, five weeks. They they just switched him and Shea Theodore because they activated Shea Theodore, so they put Eichel on LTR so they could do it, right? Now, uh, you know, a day later, the uh, the Mark Stone situation comes out. He goes on LTR. He's got a lacerated spleen. He's clearly hurt. Now, I'll say this about Stone. Now, I spoke to a medical guy. said so it's probably three months, maybe more. Well, the NHL playoffs begin in 58 days from today. 58. That's less than two months. So it would have to be a miracle for him to be ready for game one of the playoffs. And if he's not, it's not cap circumvention. Right? Now, if he returns in round two, there's no team in the planet that's going to convince him, hey, you know what? We're going to put you out, even though we know you can play so we can sign this guy. But then we're not going to play you in the first round of the playoffs. It's never happening. Right? So it's not cap circumvention unless he's ready early in the playoffs. So I think we have to clarify that. Putting a guy on LTIR is not cap circumvention. Doctor signs off, and then they have to give you an approximate time. They say this guy's out at least a month, right? Because you know if you go on LTIR, you can't play for 30 days, right? That's just how it is. So could uh, could they go out and get a Gensel now? Possibly. But they might not get Stone back. I can understand because he returned last year. I get it. But even when he did return, did you know that their uh, their playoff roster, the twenty players, which is what some people have said should be the rule, well, their twenty player roster was cap uh, compliant. So, um, I I think like a lacerated spleen is no joke, um, and and we'll see where it goes here. But yeah, it potentially puts in a, another team, right in the in the Jake Gensel sweepstakes, no question. I, and Tr, before I let you go, I want to ask you about Jake Gensel. And uh, we had uh, Rupper on earlier, and Rupper said, hey, make no mistake, Jake Gensel isn't just a product of Sidney Crosby. He's a very good player. He's self-sufficient. He's going to produce. He's, I think he's the most skilled player available. And Pittsburgh's got to trade him. I, I don't see how they can't, right? Colorado needs him. Edmonton, you could argue, could use him. No question. There's lots of teams that could use him. Um, would you be willing, like, how much are you willing to sacrifice for a guy, like, if you're Edmonton, knowing that he's, that it's just a pure rental? Like, Ekholm, you gave up a first and, and another prospect, but you get him for three plus years, right? How, would you be willing your first and something else for a guy that might give you one playoff run? I think every year, so many teams think that they're going to win that they, they shoot the trigger a little bit early. And, 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 and I don't think there's a need to do that every year if you're just in contention. But you're asking me about Edmonton, and I don't know, you're asking a guy who picked them on day one of the year to win. And nothing has proved me wrong yet, it's including the slow start, because even to just come back from that is doubly impressive. So if I'm Edmonton, yes, I think about giving probably, you know, it, it, I, I, I'd think about it more seriously than I would if, if I was many, many other teams, because I do think that... A little. I think they could win it now. I think a player like Gensel just makes that probability even higher. And yes, he's out there. It's an elephant in the room, man. Like they got to get rid of him. And without touching on the fiasco that is Pittsburgh right now, <laughs> um, there is no chance he's signing back there. I mean, I think everybody knows that. So, hey, it's uh, it's going to be a sweepstakes, and I, I, I believe that he's going to really, really help a team. Are you surprised it's gone this bad? In um in Pittsburgh this year, uh, yeah, I am. I, I, I it, a lot of people saw the decline coming, and I can't say that I wasn't one of them. But if you had told me that you know Crosby would have a sensational year, and really, of all the big guns, I, I can't really point the finger at many of them. Like, you know, I would have thought, 
you know, maybe the, their age is going to show, and at some point, it's just going to hit a hit a cliff. But it didn't really do that, and Crosby's having an awesome year. So from that point of view, I am pr- pretty surprised, and and to see, you know, just all that greatness wasted is uh, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, but. What's Crosby going to do? Go back and sign for more? Has he got one more year left? Yeah. Unless he takes way less. And is he? I mean, maybe he would, but I, I just don't even see how he could stay in Pittsburgh. And I know he wants to. And look at that team and all these guys that Dubas picked up. I mean, most of them are in their 30s. So they've got to get better and get younger at the same time. Good luck. Yeah. Well, it's going to be tough. But Crosby did say this week that he's not going anywhere. He wants to stay in Pittsburgh. And so I could see that for sure. But I, uh, and I, and hey, the, uh, you know, people talk about the franchise value of the team and everything else. Like the Penguins are the, uh, the dog days in Pittsburgh are coming. Terry, there's, there's no doubt about it. You, you can't delay that. Um, well, maybe you can try to delay it, but, uh, it's inevitable. So I'll be curious to see how it goes. TR, thanks for joining us today. Uh, enjoy the flight. Uh, is it still on time? Are you scheduled to take off here in 30 minutes? Oh, yes. Thanks for asking because my last few trips, that hasn't been yes, the case. I know. I was in Brockville, Ontario with shorts with, I was dressed for Orlando. I had none of my gear either. My skates were killing anyway. First world problems, but uh, yes, my flight's on time. Again, it's Fort St. John, the Crystal Cup. We're going to raise a bunch of money for minor hockey, and it's a uh, young, old. It's a celebration of hockey. It's the kind of weekend I love. So if you're in the area, drop by. Oh, I'll tell you, have fun in uh, Fort St. John, and uh, we'll let you get on the plane, and we will talk to you on Monday. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Connor. Thank you, Edmonton. I'll see you guys soon. There you go. There's uh, Terry Ryan, uh, a little uh, abbreviated because of his uh, flight today. So uh, he will. Uh, he's, uh, he's sitting. He went through customs early so he could get on. And uh, his flight. Uh, well, they, I heard them calling, so uh, they'd send us a text. Boys, I got to get on the plane. So uh, we'll let him go. So uh, away we go. Um, hey guys, what about Crosby to uh, Vegas <laughs> from BB? Um, hey, I've said it. Um, is it a hard conversation to have with Cindy Crosby? 100%. But I don't think it would be disrespectful for Kyle Dubas to say, Hey, Sid, how's it going? Pull him in his office, have a conversation. Hey, here's the facts. This is where our team is at. You're playing great, but even you playing great isn't, we're not in a playoff position. And I don't see that changing. Now, you know, because it's not like they have a boatload of money that they're freeing up. They'll free up some of Gensel's money, but if he walks, are you going to be able to replace him, his production, with someone at that same $5 million range? Right? It's going to be hard. So I don't think Crosby would want to be moved in the season. I get it. But I also don't think, you know, at least to have the conversation, I don't feel that that's disrespectful or negative. I would definitely ask him, get a sense of where he's at. Uh, I don't see it to uh, Vegas this year, BB, but it would be... um, it would be unique. Hey, Gregor, because a doctor signed off does not make it legit, 99% of doctors will prescribe uh, or ball set and not give two cents from Colin. Well, I think subscribing to a drug is very different than claiming a guy needs surgery, Colin. Surgery, okay? He has a lacerated spleen, right? Nikita Kucherov had surgery. Last year, Mark Stone had surgery. The debatable thing is the timeline on when they return. No one, no, only conspiracy believers of lunacy 
would think that Mark Stone is not injured today, so they're going to put him on LTIR for two months. No, he's hurt. He's 100% hurt. Is he going to be able to play in 58 days? If he does, then that's shady. But they're not going to sit him out for 58 days when he's healthy. It's not happening. It's never happened. He has whatever. Now, they say lacerated spleen. People say that's like three months. So if he comes back in two months, then he probably didn't have a lacerated spleen. Be a lie. Or he's like the greatest healer of all time, which I'd probably question. So just remember, don't confuse the two. Doctors aren't signing off. Because you you know read some guy prescribing a prescription drug is very different than writing their name to say, this guy requires surgery, so we're going to put him on in the night. But guess what? He didn't really need surgery. I just did it. It's because the team wants him on LTR. That's not how it works. No one's doing that at all. Hey, Gregor, can uh, Gensel play right wing? Can Kane? Uh, Gensel can, yes. Kane, no. But uh, Gensel can if uh, if they want, if uh, if that's the guy to, to go after, to, to look at some uh, some offense. We'll see. Can he penalty kill? That's the question. And the answer is no. I don't see him solving the penalty killing woes. I think internally they can solve them. They've shown for a long time they can have a good penalty kill. It's commitment. It's timing. It's a little bit of confidence. There's a lot of will. To have a good penalty kill. I didn't mean that to rhyme, but it did. Uh, we'll return. And uh, it's our uh, weekly Thursday edition of the Racing Report. Next on the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, coming to you live in the Ewell studio, your local electrical distributor. For all things electrical, think Ewell. E W E L dot C A. 3.43 on Sports 14.40. Jason Greger. Connor Halley with you. Hope you're having a great day. 833-401-1440. Cons, by the way, who were the uh, two winners to go to the uh, Oil Kings, courtesy of uh, Epcor? Oh, I better check them here. I sent them your way. We had uh, Tubi and Stu. Tubi and Stu? It's like Tubi Dooby Doo. Jeez, I got a lot of, a lot of jokes there, but we'll just let that one. Oh, it's like a dad joke. Oh, my God. Jeez, falling, in, falling into it. It just, fall, it just happens when you become a father. It's weird. Just how it goes. Uh, let's get to the racing report brought to you by Can Torque. And guess what? Uh, new season of racing. Well, uh, they have, uh, they have upgrades as well on their, uh, website. Uh, revamped quicker, faster, smarter. And every episode of the racing report you can see right there at cantorque.com as, uh, Colin Livingston joins us, uh, in studio once again. CL, how you doing? Man. You know, it is a new racing season, but what isn't new is our live liners. I need to get to work and yeah, you do. Figure put, it something, out. put something on paper here to, to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's played. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. everybody. It's all good. It's all good. Now, um, let's look at, uh, we'll start with uh, some F1 stuff because, of course, um, now the testing came about, right? And uh, so here's my first question. Is I, And I'll be honest, I watched about maybe 10 minutes gotcha. of the testing. But... And maybe I just saw one part, so it's skewing my opinion. Maybe. But based on what I saw, it looked like, you know, Red Bull's still clearly ahead of everybody. And the minute someone would get close, they'd just be like, okay, now we're going to go faster. Right? And so did somebody end up going faster that I didn't see? Are they clearly like the front runner again to start? So we've got two days of the three-day test session completed. Okay. Day one um, was Red Bull on top. Uh, Red Bull's driving was done exclusively by Max Verstappen on day one. Yes, I saw that. So today was uh, Checo Perez. Sergio Perez was in the car today. Didn't go as fast as 
the the rest of the field. But what like I watched quite a bit of the the testing yesterday. So I started about five o'clock in the morning, which left about four hours of uh, day one uh, practicing and okay. testing. And what it, what happened, whether coincidental or intentional, is um, Charles Leclerc would kind of nudge a time or Lando Norris would would get close to what Verstappen had run or would beat him. They would send Max out like within within minutes. Max would go out and take a second off that time and then he'd go and park the car. Then they go out and do like a long fuel run or whatever they do. Somebody would try to do another qualifying sim. They would get close to him. Max would go out and they would like they would just take a second out like that like, like that. effortlessly okay. today watching Perez he, he didn't seem to have like I mean it's physically the exact same car but they don't necessarily put all the same components back in his transmission really seemed to struggle they had a technical issue kind of midday okay. um, where he was going out on a on a quali sim and then the car didn't really die but it just didn't drive and he basically coasted to 30 kilometers an hour all the way back to like you would never do that on a race weekend but during testing it, it's a little bit more acceptable um it's it's really tough like i mean it's every year we got to say the same thing that testing doesn't mean anything so the results that come out and the the gains that it looks like people have you won't know anything until next week when they really start playing for real uh during the first race but it's it's interesting like the ferrari watching it on track yesterday it looked like a super handful but it was the fastest car on track today mercedes car really you know we talked about this a bunch last week but they're the the big one of the biggest issues they had was their rear end and the way that it responded now their car isn't violent in the back end and it's not you know, whatever they they called it, like diabolical in the back end. Now it seems like the Mercedes car kind of under, like it's got more of a tendency to understeer in the high or the mid speed and the high speed corners, which is kind of the exact opposite. So they're going to have to really work on getting that balance done. But what's been like for me, what's been great is there's been almost no mechanical issue. Like nobody's broken down on track. No one's lost an engine. No one's lost a transmission. Yeah. Red Bull had a bit of an issue, but it's been pretty much wide open um, testing with the exception, if you can believe it, that today uh, I think it was Hamilton dislodged a, um, uh, uh, a floor drain, like a great cover flipped up in the air and, the Ferrari was the first car to hit it and ripped out their their uh, floor again, just like happened to Signs at uh, Las Vegas last year that shut the race down. Come on, for the exact same thing happened again. Uh, that's the only red flag wow. that's happened in two days. But yeah, it, I mean, I'm I'm so happy. Like, and again, I don't I keep beating on the same things, but I'm so much more happy watching F1 practice and test than I was trying to watch the Daytona 500 last weekend. Now, Zach Brown came out again from mm-hmm. McLaren and is like, hey, this is a joke that Red Bull has two teams. Yep. He feels like it's a clear advantage for them. They can do different testing on different stuff. And from an outside, like, you know, as I'm reading his comments, I'm like, okay, well, in theory, it makes a lot of sense. Right, it'd be like an owner in the NHL. Okay, you have two teams, and magically you you could oh geez, we're gonna trade this guy here, or we're gonna use this guy here, and then he's gonna sign as a free agent in the next summer. Blah 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 blah. Like I can see the benefit of it, no question. 
Uh, and then, considering that they're not going to let Andretti in, yeah. like, how much controversy do you think this is? Like, are other teams going to step up, or is Zach Brown just, is this just sour grapes? I think it's a lot of everything. I mean, there's a lot of politicking and a lot of posturing that happens in public. Okay. It's, it's kind of, you know, you can kind of be on one. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Cider you can be on the other. You know, Christian Horner, as the, the head of the, the Red Bull Racing Program, can't say that. Andretti can't come into the sport because they don't bring anything and they you know we don't physically have room for them and you know and 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 but at the same time you've got four cars on the track and yes. you've got advantages that other teams don't have mm-hmm. you can you kind of need to stay on one side or you can't play on both sides of the road kind of thing now Zach has definitely seemed to have zoned in on Red Bull this year because like you said he he's been very vocal about them owning two teams, them controlling two teams, having the technical alliance, being able to, you know, you know, double the the amount of data that they get. But at the same time, he's going after Horner uh, about the the, um, you know, his inner improper actions as a boss. We still don't know what the details are, but they keep going back to that saying, like, listen, you guys have, you know, the FIA and F1 have um have stated as well as as Red Bull corporate have stated that they're going to make the investigation completely transparent that they're going to um you know do things in a timely you know manner uh and yet the 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 thing's been going on now for weeks with no end in sight kind of thing so um you know it's it's interesting that Zach has kind of taken that on his back um to 
you know, keep keep his targets on Red Bull. Um, but yeah, hopefully for the good of the sport and, and the good of, you know, the Red Bull racing organization, they they're able to put it behind them because that's always the first question that anyone's asking Christian Horner in the paddock. It's not about the team. It's not about the car. It's not about any of the drivers. It's like, what's going on with this thing? And, um, you know, obviously the, the more that that happens, the more it's going to weigh. So hopefully it's it's resolved sooner than later yeah i, I don't see it being uh, resolved sooner though that would be the uh, the thing now uh, uh danny R- ricardo because you mentioned perez and i know that there's some people who say hey the way they set up the car isn't how he drives so it's not necessarily beneficial to him and you know he came out in testing and wasn't even close to max uh we've seen the comments from you know his own guy and his own team saying well he's not that good he's not that committed blah 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 yeah uh, everybody thinks that Daniel Ricardo is going to be the second Red Bull driver next year. Do you think Perez finishes this season racing with Red Bull? Um, good question. That's, uh, if they have another season like they did last year where they're able to, to, to gap the field, there will be no pressure for them to make that move. But if they get to the middle of the season and let's say some of these gains that Ferrari's made and some of the gains that Mercedes seem to have made and McLaren have made, if they actually get into a fight where they need every one of those points, I don't think Perez, you know, okay. finishes the season. They they made a really really interesting comment on the on the testing broadcast today talking about how Max how responsive Mike uh, Max likes the car, and they they use the analogy: if you play with your mouse, like especially on a PC, you know, in the olden days, you could adjust mouse set, mouse sensitivity. Now, I kind of, as far as the mouse goes, I like mine being a little bit dull. I don't need to just bump it and have the thing yes, zip across the screen. But that's how Max really likes his car set up because he's so precise with his inputs, he's so precise with the throttle that he likes doing a little bit of action and getting that maximum okay. result, which is a big part, you know, that Perez obviously doesn't respond to that. So it's really hard for them to get the cars doing the exact same thing. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you're a paid driver and you're getting to the pinnacle of motorsport, you need to respond to what the car's doing. Yes. You know, you can't you can't be such a, a diva that, you know, unless you're a guy like Lewis Hamilton that's got seven championships and, and 104 wins behind your name to be able to say, this is exactly how I want the car. Um, so I think just from a. You know, from a morale standpoint, they're probably going to make a change. I don't, you know, regardless if he finishes the season, I don't think he'll be back with them next no. year. But in, in, in kind of in my head, that second seed is either going to be taken by Ricardo, which is the easy guy to move in there. But, you know, people often forget that Carlos Sainz has a big history back as yes. he was Ooh. a Toro Rosso driver back in the day. Now that he's got that Ferrari experience at the bigger level, and Red Bull's really got this tendency to bring people back. There's, I, I think, there's a good chance that it's it's going to be one of those two guys. Okay, uh, Colin Lemonson joins us in the uh, Cantor Racing Report. Uh, uh, let's finish with some Daytona. Uh, a few yep. Canadians uh, involved in the uh, on the circuit. There, you had uh, Jason White was twelfth in the Craftsman's Truck yep. at uh, Daytona. Uh, Amber, uh, is it Balsian? I say Balkeen. Balkeen. But, uh, okay. I, I actually don't. I've only met her one time. Uh, she um, finished ninth. Yeah. In yeah. The, in the Arca race. Yeah. 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 yeah uh, uh, Jason White, without question, one of the nicest guys 
in a racing paddock anywhere from Sun Peaks, British Columbia. Longtime uh, NASCAR Pinty's driver has put these deals together in the the in recent years to get down and run either ARCA trucks, um, you know, do some of the car stuff. Uh, just awesome for him. Um, you know, again, like just truly, truly, truly nice guy. He's always cracking jokes, always has a smile. Um, it's you know, it's great to see one of one of our uh, Canadian NASCAR guys make it down there. And then, yeah, Amber from Winnipeg. She started as a uh, sprint like go karts, but then she started racing on dirt and has been trying to break into to NASCAR the last couple of years. Um, one point in time was married to an uh, I was going to say an Edmonton Eskimo. I guess they're Elkimos yeah, or sure. whatever we call them now. Yeah. Um, so like recently, she just said that that might be over. But yeah, she had a pretty good connection to Edmonton with uh, Jordan Reeves. Uh, used to play. I think he yeah. on and off with the uh, with the football team here. Um, but yeah, uh, great to see she's going to be running a full season in ARCA this year. Um, you know, now that Daytona is out of the way, we really get to see how people are racing. We get to see, you know, uh, drivers modulate the throttle, you know, actually have to hit the brakes, control the car a little bit more. Um, but yeah, uh, really good. And then, um, I, I didn't give you the note, but next week I'll be down in, uh, Arizona running my first kart race of the year in the, uh, Challenge of the Americas race down in Tucson. Ooh, nice. Have fun yeah. with that. Now, before I let you go though, the, uh, uh, it was last lap at end of the race. It ends on a caution. Uh, now, again, I am not the most in-depth race guy, but can't they figure this out? Like, there's got to be a better way. To me, that's like the worst way to end a race. They can, but they choose not to. Okay, so what would be the easy solution? For for the viewing public, they can take a look and say Daytona is always an exciting race because the cars are really close. They swap positions a bunch because of the aerodynamic stuff, but there's always an accident and it's predictable. It's, you know, uh, it, it doesn't take, you know, I... I've been around racing for a little bit, but I don't have a racing IQ of 160 to be able to figure these things out that far in advance. It's... To me, it's catastrophic that the series asked teams to spend this much money. They develop their cars. They they spend more money on Daytona and Talladega than they do on any of these other races. And over half of these cars get thrown away because they get turned into shrapnel uh, with, with these kinds of accidents. The... The end of the day is if people find it entertaining, it's what NASCAR is going to do. If people stop watching it or they stop, you know, buying into this, they're going to have to find a way to change it. It, it is the answer simple. No, because NASCAR also has it in their head that they don't want these cars going over 200 miles an hour. Nice. So they need to keep them kind of out of speed. They need to, you know, limit the, the, the amount of, you know, um, the, the terminal velocity these cars have and, you know, how, how do you do it? I don't know, but, you know, getting rid of, getting rid of green, white checkers, getting rid of, you know, all this, you know, contrived quote unquote excitement, you know, especially at, at Daytona and Talladega would be a good start so that, you know, the, the drivers know if there's an accident, the race is over. You don't get another shot. You don't get to collect back up, you know, so you've got to make this thing count. But I, I guess I just don't have a brilliant answer to that one. All right. Okay. Curious. Well, uh, good luck next weekend. Well, we'll talk oh, to you before then. need so. it, man. I'll be looking at the back of a lot of cars next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Have some fun. That's uh, Call Lewis in the Racing Report brought to you by Can Torque. Uh, Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. Let's get to the C-Man brought to you by Sports 1440 Update. That is brought to you by Fountain Tire.
where uh, right now, of course, you can get all your tires. Winter, summer, spring. Hey, maybe maybe you're very you're a positive thinker. You already want to change your tires. I wouldn't recommend it, but just it. But just saying. More importantly, though, if you have some issues on your vehicle mechanically that you want fixed, Fountain Tire does that as well. Go to FountainTire.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 